Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnutt, and today I have Rachel Pearson, our Digital Marketing Manager from Site Visibility. And just to um, set this up for the listeners, a few months back when I took over hosting of the podcast, I was saying how I wanted to get more representatives from the Site Visibility team, bring you the actual insider tips and advice from our team. I managed to get Jason Woodford, our CEO, on as our first guest. I think Marcos Martin has appeared a couple of times now, and uh, I'm really excited to speak to Rachel, um, who will come in and talk to you about all things brand affinity. Morning to you, Rachel. Good morning, Scott. Hello. I've got my cat here as well. He won't leave me alone, so hopefully I'll be able to edit him out a little bit, but sorry to any listeners that hear a little bit of cat meowing in the background. So yeah, uh, in terms of brand affinity, so I've noticed this uh, kind of sneak into your vocabulary over these last couple of months a little bit more. And so when we were thinking about this episode today, it made perfect sense. It's top of mind for you to speak about this. And being very honest with you, it's Brand affinity marketing as a phrase is something that I'd never heard of before. Can you maybe first speak on yourself a little bit about your background and then go into what brand affinity marketing is and why it's top of mind for you? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to kind of talk about brand affinity marketing because uh, the phrase is relatively new to me as well. But um, I guess as intro, a little bit of my background. So I'm uh, the digital marketing manager at SiteViz, um, which kind of means a lot of different things. Um, primarily, I lead our specialist team. I support the team with their learning and development and um, also in terms of the ideation and production and delivery of our digital marketing strategies for our clients. So I work closely on that and uh, have my fingers in many pies at SiteViz, which is great because I love pie. Um, <laughs> um, but my professional experience is primarily in tech SEO, um, SEO and content. Um, I'm pretty much an all-rounder, kind of similar to you, Scott, interested in everything to do with digital marketing, um, quite curious about those things. Um, and then my kind of side hustle is I'm a trained videographer, editor, and um, kind of lead those video marketing elements at SiteViz as well, um, developing those. So anything that covers video and podcasting and creative media marketing, all of that stuff I'm super interested in. And storytelling, which I'm sure we'll talk about in terms of brand affinity marketing in a bit, is what I'm most passionate about and what I think brands should be doing a lot more of and a lot better as well. So um, my kind of mission, I guess, is to make video marketing and production accessible for the people that I work with. Um, and that's, yes, that's kind of my background. Um, and in terms of brand affinity marketing... I've kind of been thinking a lot about uh, video in general 
um, because that's a, a kind of core cool part of what I do, what I'm interested in and passionate about. And I kind of, yeah, I really believe in its its power as part of marketing video. And that that seems to be one of the core formats or mediums that brands harness in order to create this brand affinity. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of where the interest in brand, brand affinity has come from. Brand affinity, um, so as a definition, is um, when customers recognize you as a brand as sharing the same values and common interests. I think it's probably the closest uh, you can come to having unconditional love for a brand. So the kind of feelings that we have for people, I think it's probably the kind of closest uh, you can get to for a business or a brand that you are a customer of. Yeah, uh, that's a, a a really great intro. And uh, you mentioned some of those projects that you work on as side hustles, but I think you're downplaying your skills there. So <laughs> for our listeners, Ra- Rachel was both an advocate for all, an advocate for all things video and an expert in all things video. Um, and um, and yeah, you have your fingers in many pies, uh, mm. which is which is um, great for me and also difficult for me because I'm going to try and keep us on the straight and narrow on the podcast today so we don't go off on too many tangents because oh, yeah. we're interested in a lot of different areas. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's really interesting about brand affinity. I guess for me the phrases I'm more familiar with and maybe you'll be able to tell me whether I'm along the right lines or not, but uh, brand advocacy, that's something that I'm more familiar with as a phrase. Yeah, I guess mm. just branding or community, that's another phrase that mm. comes to mind. Yeah. Um, and if I'm along the right lines there, then I kind of I've got the gist of what you were exploring there. Yeah, um, it's also kind of um, confused a little bit with brand loyalty. Um, right, brand advocacy okay. I think kind of fits within the same ballpark. Loyalty is a bit different in that loyalty doesn't necessarily indicate that brand loyalty doesn't really indicate that you have a strong personal connection with a brand. It's more rational and based in what a brand can provide for you in terms of a service or a product rather than having that emotional connection that you would redefine brand affinity with. Okay, that's a great distinction. That actually helps me understand a little bit more as well. So you've mentioned that kind of brand affinity is top of mind for you, uh, mainly because of your interest in video and uh, and. I guess a, a a lot of your interest when you're when you're creating video, maybe you'll be able to speak on this a little bit more for me. But I guess that's your goal, right? To make an emotional connection through video, regardless of any video that you create. Mm. Is is that kind of where the middle ground is between brand affinity marketing and then video production? Where the connection is between them both, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I think that you can create that um emotional connection through other formats as well um i think video just because it kind of in 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 a very raw way it it demands the attention of all of your senses maybe not smell that would be a bit weird but um it kind of you know it it kind of it's visual it's sound um you know the, the kind of music that you can put with it because it's so creative um i think that that it's one of the best mediums for creating that brand affinity. But it's also, you know, the the messaging that you put in your video. You can make a, a lovely video with, like, people looking happy and some nice music and you can create somewhat of um, emotion. But if you don't have, um, and we'll come on to how to create brand affinity, I'm sure, in a bit, but if you don't have that kind of core message behind what you're wanting to say and and really carefully thinking about how you want people to feel, how you want to make your customers feel, then um, you're kind of going to, it's not going to be effective. 
the marketing aspect of brand affinity I found a little bit harder to define but as I've been pondering that I've kind of come to a conclusion that brand affinity marketing is almost like a resurgence of what we saw in like 40s, 50s, 60s. If you think about mm. Mad Men, that kind of thing, um, the way they put campaigns together was really based around trying to create emotional connections between a brand they're working with and the consumer. And they did that by communicating shared values and common interests. And that's what brand affinity marketing really is. And I guess we've mm. got access now to create things like video that they didn't have back then. But in some ways, brand affinity marketing is made for a kind of less cynical um, world and a less cynical consumer, which is why I think treading carefully in terms of how you create video and how you convey your message through video or other mediums is really important. Um, You can't just kind of try and force emotion. It has to come from somewhere really genuine in your business. So that's really that's a really interesting point for me. So you can't, I might even take that as a clip because I think that's such an important point. You you can't force emotion; it has to come from somewhere genuine. It has to be authentic um, to to translate to affinity in someone else. And I know I know as much as me, you hate talking about COVID nineteen at the moment because we we've all been speaking about it. But COVID nineteen and everything that's happened in economy and marketing and business in the world, it has accelerated a lot of people's lives. Mm. Uh, and in marketing, that it's that point that you just touched on, which I think it's accelerated for a lot of people. Um, so a lot of businesses are thinking. Well, a lot of businesses may not have had affinity; they may have been very transactional in nature, and now they're realising that actually, for longevity for loyalty, for all these other things. They have to have that emotional connection with the customer. Mm-hmm. So are you of the view, are you of a similar view that COVID-19 has accelerated that need for affinity? And why and how has brand affinity stuck um, in terms of being top of mind for you right now? Is it just COVID-19 or is there more to it? Mm, I think, um, so yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> I think when we discussed what we wanted to chat about, which is many things, uh, we were like, let's stay away from COVID-19 and lockdown and furlough and all of that stuff. I'm done with it. Um, and I'm always slightly wary when um, I hear from people or brands or or anywhere where they talk about how covid nineteen's accelerated a need within their marketing, because I think um, there was a need there already that should have been addressed regardless of a worldwide pandemic. Um, so I think there's a risk of people using COVID-19 as, as kind of a, I mean, it's human nature, I guess, to kind of be reminded by hard times what you need to do and how important it is. Um, And if there's one thing that I would want marketers to take out of this whole experience is that um, you should have been doing this stuff all along. And, you know, like it's important. So I do think it has accelerated the need for it for brands. But that need has always been there, um, regardless of what's been going on in the world. But, yeah, I guess I think video as part of brand affinity strategy is actually more important. Well, I, I guess more urgent now for brands who are wanting to keep their heads above water and um, kind of stay in the game as long as they can to ride this out. I, I think it's more attainable for businesses right now because of potentially how people are feeling and what they're going through. So we're all seeking kind of connection and comfort, reassurance, things we can believe in, you know, those positive stories, things that we can trust in again. And it's all within a brand's power to convey how they can meet all of those needs and desires and feelings of their audiences. 
because and um, I think I spoke recently on um on a webinar with Pi Data Metrics about how important it is to not just see your consumers and customers as numbers, but actually, you know, we're all going through this whole thing in the world at the moment. There's not one person that hasn't been touched by some outcome of what's been going on. So we've all got a frame of reference for how people must be feeling in the world and what they need and what messages are going to really resonate. So, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, I think it's important. It's more attainable now, I think, if people can, yeah, can kind of harness the kind of process behind going about it. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting way of looking at it as well. And I think somewhere in the, in there that you said something really interesting, which I hadn't thought about too. Maybe I think I may have covered this in another podcast. I just can't remember which one, but I touched on it, but I haven't spoken about it too much. But it's that consumers are maybe looking for affinity more now. So it's something within us that's making us want that emotional mm, connection yeah. at this time. And so maybe there's a change in consumer behavior, which has brought brand affinity marketing to the forefront of marketing a little bit more. Even though, as you said, regardless, this should be, should have been kind of front and center within people's marketing plans. It's kind of surfaced it more glaringly obvious, more prominently um, as, oh, we should be doing this um, or we should have been focusing on this all along. That's the kind of message that I'm receiving from, yeah. from when you talk. I about think that. people are a bit more emotionally um, vulnerable at the moment, potentially as well. So that's mm-hmm. something for brands to be really aware of because, if you are, if you don't plan these kind of your kind of brand affinity strategy or advocate kind of strategy and you're thinking about using video to speak genuinely and authentically to your customers and if you kind of go about it the wrong way it can i mean there's this cancel culture at the moment isn't there like you, you um you know you get one thing kind of disastrously wrong so it's important to not it's not it's important not to exploit the kind of emotional state of consumers at the moment mm. so it's a it's a really delicate balance it's quite a difficult thing i'd love to say i've got exactly the right top tips to give you to avoid cancelled <laughs> by you know sort of connecting with your audiences meaning meaningfully but i don't <laughs> um and but i think that that kind of information comes from within your brand so you're going to know what feels wrong um and, and the wrong tone i think well, funny you should say feels. It's like how you feel because this also translates to video for me because you can somewhat get away with being inauthentic through copy, through other mediums, through social media posts. Mm-hmm. You can kind of, um, you can, yeah, just present it differently. But in terms of video, if when you put someone in front of that camera, it's it can be very difficult people feel whether that person's genuine mm. or not in my opinion mm. uh, when i watch videos it's like i very quickly get a sense of whether i trust someone or not and i know there are techniques and maybe you'll even speak on some way you can you know that you can maybe uh, maybe force that a little bit and force the feeling or emotion of trust but really you can't get away from it mm. on video so i guess that maybe correct me if i'm wrong but is your view that that's another reason that video makes brand affinity um video connects with brand affinity marketing maybe more naturally than any other medium yeah i mean i think you've got to have the right person uh Mm. if you have people in your video uh brand videos um and if you're using things like podcasts as well i think you you can um i think uh sometimes the person that might be the best for 
appearing in those videos or hosting those podcasts might not necessarily be the person you think of first in terms of responsibility or area of expertise or anything like that. It might be someone um, outside of your marketing team, outside of your you know, the senior leadership team, it might be someone who's working in, you know, customer services. It's all about finding the right personality, but, you know, the right personality that fits and is representative of your brand personality as well. So I think it's looking for authenticity in your business, but also people who are, I think, easy to warm to um, and and yeah it's kind of a slightly awkward saying like uh find the likable people in your business um but I think I think that that's going to help uh kind of that authenticity as well um and you're right I think anybody can tell and maybe that's um the reason a lot of people and brands aren't doing a whole lot of kind of brand video in terms of brand affinity campaigns or strategy because actually it is quite a vulnerable thing to do as a business, um, especially if you haven't done it before. It's probably quite terrifying in a way because, you know, you're trying something new. Uh, video does make you feel vul- very vulnerable. It's it's something I've done um, a, a few months ago. I really wanted to start getting a uh, feeling that I felt more authentic when I recorded videos. So projects that I was working on and as well as having like the right person, the likable person, a warm person, someone who's confident and representative of your brand, it does just come down to like practicing and videoing yourself, recording yourself, watching it back. Um, I used to, uh, one of my previous roles was working at a a company that helped teachers to sort of self-reflect on their teaching methods. So they would record themselves on video and watch it back later. Sometimes they would share it with peers for feedback. And that use of video was incredibly powerful for teachers to develop their style. Um, So I think, you know, the same thing. If you're working on video in a brand, um, practice and watch yourself back on video. It's painful the first two times. And then you start to go, actually, I really like this thing that I'm doing in this video or I can do more of this. Um, So it's definitely about practice as well. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's it, it translates to podcasting as well, I can tell you, because I've had to go through the process of recording these podcasts and editing them and hearing my voice for the first time over and over again. And it is a initially it's a torturous process. Uh and then it does become easier. And as you said, you start to get into the flow of just figuring out actually what you enjoy about yourself and how you might, you know, on podcasting tweak this or tweak that. And, yeah. Yeah, it just becomes like with anything, it becomes more comfortable with, uh, yeah, you become more comfortable with it over time. There's something else that you said that's just fascinating, Rachel, which it keeps coming up over and over again in through different mechanisms, but all kind of related to marketing conversations is that there may be historically used to be this mentality that the best person to do all marketing activity. So marketing could be anything to do with social media or just rich media in general, video Mm -hmm. podcasting was your marketing person. But in respect of brand affinity and authenticity in, in particular, it's actually, there are other people in your business that may be out to present your brand more authentically mm-hmm. than any than any marketing manager mm-hmm. could so it, so roles in that respect are, are perhaps or almost certainly developing over the years where um, again maybe this is the thing that should have always been the case but there's just this ha- habit of getting into 
kind of getting pigeonholed in life in general. And marketing is exactly the same thing. It's you have to look beyond your marketing team to get the best out of your marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that those roles, you know, traditional sort of uh, department uh, signed roles is Mm. a really archaic way of looking looking at things now. And I think it definitely kind of limits you if you kind of think, well, only the marketing people can do the marketing. Well, marketing people in general are, you know, hopefully um, very, you know, experienced in their areas of marketing, of which there are many, um, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the best person, that they're also a great, uh, you know, presenter for video, or Mm. that they feel comfortable doing that. And I think that we have to move away from the assumptions that those those kind of roles um, within a brand have to be, uh, you know, sat within marketing. So definitely one of the things that I'd love people to take away from this podcast is um, look at your wider business, everyone in your business, um, like talk to them, ask them questions about themselves, get to know each other a lot better. Um, and the people that will would na- you'll, you'll get to start to get a sense of the kind of people that would naturally be a great fit for representing your brand either in video or um yeah podcasting as well um that's definitely yeah something i'd love for people to go away and do because i think it's going to be i mean as well as being just a lovely thing to do to go and get to know like a lot more of your co-workers who you wouldn't normally speak to um it's gonna do wonders for your video marketing and and hopefully brand affinity as though yeah I, I would love for people to go in uh you know take that as like a tip um over over anything else i say today i think that's fantastic advice but you've got to keep listening because i'm sure there's yeah. going to be more so um <laughs> we've spoken uh, we've spoken theoretically uh, a little bit about brand affinity and our thoughts on it but not so much practically so if you know getting started with brand affinity for the first time where what are some tools or some frameworks that perhaps our listeners can use just to get started and bring this to life within their business yeah so i've been thinking about this a lot as well because um i think uh, we're quite process led at um sitefiz which is just done us like incredible amounts of good um and i think i've been thinking about this in terms of process where you get started um and what kind of tools you can use along the way to kind of help with that process um just in terms of thinking about yeah brand affinity marketing um whether you've gotten started with that whether this is the first time you've heard about it or if you're just curious but i think where you need to start and where you need to have a lot of um, involvement from your wider business is just sussing out what your personality is as a business, very much like you would suss out another person's personality. Um, and then I think everybody knowing what your mission is as a business. So starting with those kind of two things. And I think like hashing it out in conversations with or workshopping it with um, a cross section of your business, if you've got a small business. Um, with not a lot of people you can get everybody involved and I think one of the things um, people are hesitant about is spending a lot of time um, on these kind of things because it's not necessarily immediately tangible what the the benefit of it is so I'm hoping that we're kind of communicating what the benefits are of it generally but um, so I think starting off with really nailing down your personality um, as a business, because that's how you're going to relate to other people with personalities, having personality yourself. Um, and I did read somewhere there's kind of five defined types of personality 
there's a really good resource somewhere which is actually just gone out of my head but I'll find it so we can put it in the show notes about um, those uh, five or six personality types that have kind of been worked out through um, brand affinity research and then there's kind of attributes as part of those personalities so that's a great framework to kind of review and start that part of the process off and then obviously I think across marketing for the whole of um, for any discipline is obviously knowing your customer and target audience inside out I don't think that that's um, something that is uh, re, you know re, you know a, a new bit of information for anybody who's in marketing but once you know your personality as a business I think you're going to find um, it's going to kind of help you refine your target audience as well because you're going to want to find people have those shared values which is what brand affinity marketing is all about and then there are tools out there there's tools like brand watch they've got some great resources about brand affinity marketing as well if you're an established brand that hasn't been looking into brand affinity marketing or strategy before then i think this is an especially important part of the process whereby you can um you should be judging your kind of brand associations uh, so you can do that through um, a tool in Brandwatch, I believe. But you gather that mention data, so um, brand mentions, and then you create a word cloud. Remember those? They're, they I love they those. seem like um, yeah, they seem they are art to me. Very, they seem like very like 2010 kind of thing, but I believe in them. Um, but it's just a way of visualizing the data for yourself. So you get all of this brand mention um, data back. You plug it into a word cloud and you sort of see what um uh words are come coming up as um how your you know how your brand is associated and maybe with other brands that you might be associated with like where you're kind of sat in that kind of pool and that will that kind of process will help you figure out um what your I guess what your current personality is and you know if your current marketing and your current work has been kind of aligned with how people, how your consumers and customers are seeing you. I think that's a really important part of the process. Um, And then um, values and interests. So coming from your personality and your mission um, and your kind of brand associations, if you are, yeah, I think it comes back to what we were saying about identifying those people in your business that aren't necessarily part of your marketing team. You can't achieve brand affinity by ignoring the personalities you have in the room driving your business. They are the kind of authentic parts of what, you know, that's what what is going to feed into your brand personality. And I think a lot of times where businesses have gone wrong is when they've kind of tried to force a personality that isn't representative of the personalities that are leading the business or involved in the business, part of your customer service teams you know, who the people, who your consumers actually talk to. So I think I think you do need to kind of follow along that kind of methodology, really. Um, and then I think one of the one of the greatest tools for um, brand affinity marketing is social media. And unfortunately, it does kind of seem to be one of the areas that people don't see as necessarily important as some of the other areas of marketing you know, marketing areas like different marketing disciplines. Um, I kind of feel like it might be seen as like a slightly devalued 
role, but in terms of brand affinity marketing and even brand loyalty and advocacy, it's one of the most important places because that is literally where you have all of your touch points with your customers and where you can interact with them and obviously video use um, uh, on those platforms. Um, it doesn't have to cost you money to produce video. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think too little importance and respect is given to those kind of roles in businesses. And I think people are, I get the sense that people are wary of video, especially kind of small to medium businesses, because there is this kind of idea that it is expensive and time consuming to um, produce. So something I'm passionate about is kind of a re-education in that. And yeah, so I think that that's kind of roughly kind of the process and some of the tools that can help you with like, you know, starting off with a brand affinity strategy or at least opening up the conversation about um, kind of where you're currently at as a business with everybody and where you want to go and who your customers are and what their, you know, their needs and their concerns are, especially, especially at the moment, but always. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That last point about social media is so fascinating to me because I think of social media as the glue between all of your marketing communication. Mm. And it's the it's the medium through which to make an emotional connection through which to drive brand affinity. And you talked about, and I've always felt this way and experienced this myself, is that social media is always the thing where the, the question that always comes up, it's always mm -hmm. left to last typically, because the question is always, 
how much money does it return and does it return money immediately yeah. and, it, and it really you know it's not that kind of platform it, so um, sorry it's not that kind of channel social media is uh, a contributor or an uh, a, or attributes to the other platform or to the other channels and enhances yeah. them but the thing is if you've got if you take social media and you think of it in the context of we've just discussed as the kind of the glue for brand affinity for emotion and then you don't invest in that platform so you essentially just rip out your heart <laughs> yeah uh, then uh, you know it, it's I don't know if you faced this challenge before, but I imagine at some point you're going to come up against the question of what's the return on investment of video? How do you answer that question? It's so difficult really because difficult. it's, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's essentially, and maybe you don't answer it. I was speaking on, uh, on one of my personal podcasts about something similar mm-hmm. with a guy called Doc Williams. And we, I think it was, and we were talking about, you know, what happens if you try and work with someone, and they ask you to do something like that. So they asked you to put the return on investment on video. And um, he was just saying, you know, don't work with them um, because it's really so important that if someone fundamentally doesn't understand the emotional connection between customers and businesses and that social media is the medium in which to make that happen, how do you, it, it takes so much education to get someone out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Is, is that even worth your time to do? So I think that's a fascinating challenge for any creative marketer and particularly someone like yourself who's in video production. Yeah, I mean, there are there are some ways you can look at, um, you know, obviously like kind of performance of some of those aspects. So social media performance and, and performance of video if you're using YouTube and and things like that. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of the attitude from where that, is coming from well i I get Mm. like i I get i get it because specifically for small smaller businesses who are at the moment you know really desperate just trying to hold on um Mm. being able to kind of have um some sense of what they might make back after uh, an initial investment i get that concern that's you know um totally understandable and relatable but then I think, you know, I think I think it's down to kind of the you's and me's and us's of marketers to kind of um, educate sometimes. But then, you know, there's there's education and there's um, really trying to just change someone's attitude to something, which I think is a completely different. And that's not our responsibility, really. You're the owner of a business or um, you're head of marketing in a business or responsible for marketing in a business. I think your attitude, especially if times are hard, are to be open to um, trying things and and taking and taking some what you might perceive at the time as risks. Um, but again, it kind of comes down to brand affinity of like maybe um, you know agencies. So you know, like us at Sitevis and other agencies, like what is our brand affinity? Are people going to um, trust us and follow our recommendations? um and 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 try these things so and and that's a challenge for us as well like how can we how can we um sort of communicate uh the value of uh, brand affinity marketing use of video use of podcasts a lot of businesses all of that stuff is going to be brand new so i think there's a balance between our, our responsibility as marketers for education but i think business owners for um having a kind of open mind and open attitude and um and trusting people like us 
<laughs> That's a great way to respond to that uh, question. Thanks. Um, and so I'm curious about any brands or any businesses that have achieved an emotional connection with you, Rachel. So who's managed to capture your heart? Well, I'm excited about this this part. Um, it might just be me and my heart might just be very available for people to emotionally funny. I might not ask for you to share your contact details at the end now just because you'll get loads of strange messages. I'll just get loads of messages of people really appealing to me with emotional because... <laughs> Yeah, it's like an agony <laughs> aunt. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I uh, some examples of businesses I think have uh, pretty much nailed brand affinity marketing was uh, one of them is Wistia. Um, I'm yeah I think in, in my notes for the show I was like oh I'm mentioning Wistia a lot <laughs> um, so at the risk of sounding like a bit of a fangirl one of their campaigns that they did um, and, and this really appealed to me on a, on a on those shared values kind of um, level of brand affinity marketing because um, it wasn't last year, maybe the year before, where they produced a series of um, videos. They actually actually turned out that they made a version of those videos into kind of a bit of a feature length kind of docu film um, called One Ten One Hundred, um, where they created a um, video, a marketing video, brand marketing video for Wistia. Um, but they created it uh, three times with three different budgets to see what the kind of uh, difference would be. Um, the first was 1,000, 10,000, and then I think 100,000. And they plugged all of their marketing budget into this. So they took a huge risk, I think, um, and just went, all of our marketing budget for the year, we're going to do this film and and document what happens and the outcomes uh, to kind of prove the hypothesis that um, uh, the budget that you have for a brand video doesn't really matter. Um, and you and I went to go and see that, the, the Odeon, when they showed that. And um, they Bill Nottingham did a, a, a Q&A afterwards, um, which was really, really uh, super interesting. And we've been watching those those videos back at SiteViz as well. Um, and I think that, that was, a, for me as a marketer, um, they knew the audience for those videos um, for that film. Um, that made me feel really like inspired and motivated emotionally about um, you know taking risks as marketers and leading with creativity in marketing. So that was that was a campaign that they made, and those those videos you can go and see. They're they're really great. But also as uh, as a marketer, but also as a filmmaker as well. Um, just to see the difference in the three uh, end videos that they made with those three different budgets. Um, And actually, you know, there are visual production value type differences between those three videos um, naturally because of the budgets. But actually, the one that I connected with the most emotionally that made me kind of, you know, feel those feelings, those genuine feelings, was the the cheapest one, the one that was shot for a, a grand. And that was it, that really spoke to me as a filmmaker as well, and it, it made me feel emboldened to go. I don't need a whole load of money to go and make things that make people feel and connect with people and tell stories. Um, so that was that's obviously one that I was massively kind of struck by, and I think just generally as a brand, Westier, 
they just they just really know their audience they've got their personality nailed and that personality comes from a variety if not all of their staff who appear in their videos all the time um it's not just one or two kind of faces of the brand from the marketing department it's it's all of the people that work there so i think that they are a perfect example to go and have a look at if you're interested in brand affinity and then there are campaigns as well and i think that this is where the really tricky thing comes in for brands because um creating brand affinity is a long-term goal it's like it's like seo you know there are no guarantees um, necessarily and it takes a long time <laughs> um, people don't really like hearing that but the benefits of sticking with it and being focused on your goal and focused on uh, the time it takes you know accepting the time it takes to achieve that um, you could become you know hoover we all call you know vacuums hoovers because it's synonymous with that it's almost like and like go- we google things we don't use a search engine to go and find something I think that those levels of, um, you know, recognition are kind of some of the spoils of doing brand affinity marketing well and sticking with it for a long time. And if you've worked on the process that I kind of outlined in terms of looking at personality or brand associations, having one person in your um, business or maybe two people in your business who are the, the gatekeepers of your personality, once you've kind of worked through that process, and they could be anyone they don't have to be the marketing team either people who really just encapsulate and take responsibility for protecting what you've built as a personality for your brand affinity strategy ongoing then it actually shouldn't be so much of an effort to keep it keep that kind of process going for a long time so yeah so there are brand campaigns i think um just to come all the way around back to my original point uh, there are brands that have um come to uh they're they're well-known brands and i'm not entirely sure about their level of brand affinity but they have created campaigns using video and various different media that have really struck an emotional chord with people and there's um there's a common thread throughout the ones that are have particularly kind of stuck with me that I always think think of they come they come to mind but the this girl cat can campaign um their videos are unbelievably good they're so inspiring they use um you know it's it's going back to using real people in those videos real real women I guess um and and there's no such thing as a fake woman I guess but you know just uh, (laughs) you know having people that are reflective of the people you see when you walk down the street and and just you know it was an incredibly empowering campaign that's that's continuing what sort of campaign was it was it um social media was it tv yeah, it was all, oh, all they the had above. um they had a, a a set of um video um assets um telling various different stories and then kind of combined you know quick quickly quick cut edited kind of videos of um kind of women you know working out like going for a run kind of struggling but continuing like pushing through just so relatable um I was like yeah that's me when I try and go for a run I like kind of stop halfway if I'm lucky and then you know have a bit of a meltdown um but yeah they and then they kind of the distribution was um a lot of social media um I think they yeah put some budget behind that on social media as well YouTube um, and yeah, they had ad campaigns on um, those videos on TV as well. 
Um, TV is a really interesting one to consider at the moment. Um, I think it's sometimes um, for brands, it's again, it's that attitude of, oh, that's going to cost loads of money and we're not going to be able to measure the return on that investment. But we're all in our homes a hell of a lot more now. So actually, um, it's definitely something worth considering. And, you know, we've started putting it in plans um, and thinking about having those conversations with clients as well, because, um, yeah, I mean, we're all yeah, we're all inside quite a lot at the moment. And, you know, if you have a product or a service that is um, going to help people where they are, um, why not go to where they where they're spending time to to advertise to them um, in a yeah, meaningful way? But there is yeah, this this girl campaign, the always uh, hashtag like a girl campaign. Another thing, and um, obviously Dove's very famous real beauty campaign. Um, all three of those were amazingly powerful, and maybe it's just because I'm a woman that I connected with those. But I was I was quite interested in the fact that all of those had been harnessed particularly well when it comes to women. Um, and I was really trying to think of other um, kind of examples that of that kind of brand affinity video marketing um, that were like not focused on women or you know services relate that you know women would be um sort of interested in and products I and mean, i couldn't really think of so many off the top of my head i did think of the dollar shave club which i think um they they had some great marketing um in terms of relating to they just got their personality across so so well um and i think we're starting to see a lot more of brands doing that generally on social media as well particularly on twitter which is a bit of a cesspool at times, but like um, there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like kind of negativity on platforms like that sometimes. And I, I think it was only a few weeks ago where Yorkshire Tea stepped in um, to kind of, I can't remember exactly what, what it was now, but brands are doing a lot more of that um, and not being worried about potentially losing um you know followers or advocates but actually kind of definitely standing up for um the very real values that they have um kind of regardless of what the cost might be um so that that's really interesting um and i think maybe that's a sign of the times we're going through where people kind of have to nail their mask to the wall and you know kind of stick by what their values and standards and beliefs are um, and that is working for brands um, from what I see. Yeah, so that's a, a few of the examples of brands that I think are doing it well or campaigns that have done it well. I think the challenge for, you know, things like This Girl Can and the Always Like a Girl campaign is that they're kind of, those campaigns are quite old now. And um, I haven't seen necessarily for always um, a kind of continuation of that style of, brand affinity marketing um so i don't think it's like a once and done kind of thing i think there needs to be consistency um and kind of years of years of focusing on that to really see um a long-term consistent outcome it's funny how you say um you hadn't seen any um so you talked about dove and uh, some of those other companies that are uh, I guess essentially targeting women, and I was thinking to myself, have I seen anything that's similar that targets men in that way? 
And I haven't. I couldn't think of anything. And then you mentioned Dollar Shave Club, and, and I think, well, actually, it, the emotional trigger that I've seen most targeted towards men is humor. Um, that's the one that comes across most for me. Um, and that's just fascinating as well. It, it, it could mean that there's, um, it could be that there's just a, it could be number one that it works. Um, and so, you know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't mm-hmm. kind of fix it. But at the same time, maybe there is a gap in marketing to connect with men on an emotional level that's similar to how some of these, uh, women's brands are, uh, are doing or s- some of the, all these female oriented brands are doing. So, um, that was interesting to me to, to kind of think about. And, and there's something in the, in, uh, the show notes that I have to ask you about because uh, you had mentioned that Virgin had done something that made you cry dur- during lockdown. <laughs> Virgin's never made me cry. Um, so I need to know how Virgin made you cry. <laughs> um, so uh, just as a disclaimer, I cry at, at everything, mostly happy things. Uh, it's, it's very rarely sad things make me cry. Um, but happy things just make me bore um, or anything slightly sentimental. Um, I really shouldn't be uh, telling possibly thousands of people this um, <laughs> um uh they had uh so a video series uh or of ads on um running quite a lot so i saw this ad quite a lot eventually it stopped making me cry um and it was it was during lockdown so maybe i was particularly sort of emotional anyway but it was about um it was Virgin Media, actually. So, you know, technicians coming around to houses, helping people sort of stay connected, basically. You know, very, very easy message to kind of come up with. No offence, Virgin. We'd love to speak. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were one of the first people, first brands I saw that went, oh, the most important thing right now is that people are separated. And what we do is keep people connected, keep people online. and we you know like there's never been an easier message at an easier time to send but the way they went about it um and the kind of visuals that they had i think it was also them that uh created a um series of ads of uh kids school kids connecting online as well while they couldn't sort of go into school and see their friends and that kind of stuff and i was like well kids emotional music equals me crying and I am a Virgin Media customer so um, and to be honest I don't think yeah I think I've got that loyalty there for sure Um, but that kind of marketing just makes me feel like they do really understand the emotional needs of the customers and their potential customers and they didn't and it didn't feel exploitative either so I feel like I'm quite a cynical person as well as quite you know um, kind of uh, emotionally connected or intelligent or whatever and the, and and the way they did it a great example so people should go and have a look at those as a way of connecting meaningfully with a you know timely message but not a new message definitely not a new message for them and maybe they did some work around you know what does this mean for us you know this lockdown what does it mean for our customers what does virgin media say in a time like this the people that you know need to feel connected so yeah so uh, that made me cry a couple of times <laughs> and then I got off. so uh to all of our listeners go and take on the virgin crying yeah. challenge on social yeah. media just film yourself <laughs> watching the ads and see if you break yeah film it on tiktok <laughs> give it a like and 
yeah, Rachel's already out because she's she's yeah, the challenge broke her. Um, there are a couple of questions that, uh, around this kind of section that we're talking about about brands that have com- emotionally connected and with you that I, I do want to ask you. And the first is out of um, all of those brands that you just mentioned, has that emotional connection translated to you being a customer? So thinking about I don't know, Wistia, Dove, mm-hmm. Virgin. You mentioned you're already a Virgin customer. Um, did you happen to purchase from Wistia, Dove, or any of those other brands as you were talking? Um, so, um, because of the kind of that style of marketing, I think the only one I've kind of become a customer of is is Wistia. But then I have I've, um, years ago um, kind of used their um, their video embedding, video kind of SEO product a few times. And that, you know, that was probably about four, six or seven years ago, five or six years ago, quite a long time. Um, and since then, they've, you know, they've developed massively in all kind of in all, all aspects, but especially in, in terms of brand affinity marketing. You know, maybe they've been working away at that for a long time and it's paying off now from my kind of my experience of it. Um, and yeah i think you know going along to that um that screening and q and a at at the odeon that was part of brighton kind of a, a, a kind of fringe event for brighton seo uh, a couple of years ago and being involved in that watching the movies watch how what, what watching the movie and and seeing kind of just how they work behind the scenes and recognizing those shared values it definitely turned me into what I would say a fan and they consistently put out incredibly accessible and helpful content in all kinds of formats. So obviously their video uh, marketing is, is really, really great. Um, And I think that they, the language they kind of use as well, they just very, it's just very clear that they know who they want to speak to and what language those people use. And I think they've created um, quite a good, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely a very good example of brand affinity because I, I, it's almost like creating a club. Like it's almost making consumers feel like they are part of your business in um, in more of a way than just being a customer. Because it's about those shared values and and more importantly, I think shared interests. Um, they just seem to put out content that I, <laughs> I'm i like already thinking about. So I think there was an example a couple of months ago about, about I think it was just be- choosing between cameras. So showing different, um, I think it was lenses actually. They were just, it was just a very simple video about how different lenses can achieve different shots and how those different lenses help create different emotions for essentially the same shot or different tones and that kind of stuff. And it was around the time that I was um, starting to um, film my own, my first kind of short film during lockdown. And I don't know whether they've got like a direct line into my brain for the information that I need, but that is kind of what brand affinity is. It's like almost like a seamless connection between you um, and a brand. So yeah, um, long story short, I did become a customer of theirs kind of when that feeling started to kick in um and there's there's another thing that kind of comes to mind for me as you're talking and as you i think you were talking about attending a live yeah you were talking about um 
when you went to see Wistia and you, we watched the film in a cinema and I was just thinking to myself, maybe one of the reasons video is so important right now is we don't have the live event. So mm-hmm. in, in a live environment, there's the ability to make an emotional connection because it's you and the business, you and the brand. Um, it doesn't mean that brands always manage to achieve that. You know, sometimes you go to events and conferences and people hide behind their desks <laughs> and so forth. But, but if you get it right, there's such an ability at live events to make an immediate impact and lasting emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Like it's so impactful. I think about that because I agree with you. I I became a fan of Wistia that night. I think I'd used it a little bit before and known about Mm -hmm. them, but they really came to life for me as a business from that event. And I think it was through being there, through being involved in the Q and a watching the film with lots of other Mm -hmm. people. And and now we don't have that. So, uh, and it doesn't look like we're going to have that for quite a while. So the natural, I guess, um, next thing in line that has the biggest impact is video, which was just an interesting thought for me as you were yeah. talking, because maybe that is why you do need to focus even more so on video than ever, because you don't have that live connection in any yeah. way. Almost yeah, you need to kind of make up the, the space that that's uh, that lack of sort of live. That void. Yeah, <laughs> black, void of yeah. darkness. it's the the thing that you know it's it's essentially the sense of community one of the things that I uh, missed more than my family and my friends during lockdown and all of that stuff was going to the careful (laughs) (laughs) don't want them listening (laughs) yes this better be good (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it was going to the cinema and the kind of community of um you know the duke of york's is just around the corner from my house i think i spend more time there what well, i did uh, spend more time there and i've been a couple of times since the restrictions because i lit- i couldn't hold myself back from going it's um definitely a kind of self-care activity for me to go to the cinema by myself get taken away by what's ever on the screen and just you know forget the real world for a, a couple of hours and i think that that is um definitely i got that sense from that event, that Wistia event, um, that we when we went to go and see the 110-100 film, um, you know, the community of coming together. But I think is it another delicate balance because I, I, I get the feeling that people are getting like online event fatigue. It's like we all have to be at a laptop every day. You know, most of us are communicating with each other in our businesses via video calls. Um, and I run Brighton Digital Women, which is a community in Brighton. It's very, very much based on being physically in the same room with each other. And we haven't done any online events. We kind of made the decision to not do any online events because people were doing online quizzes to stay connected, talking to their families online, going to some events online, attending webinars. And I got the sense that at, at some point people were getting really fatigued of that. Um, so I think it's really important to recognize that and not annoy people by sort of um, potentially requesting their attendance at at an event sat at their desk for, you know, sometimes a a few hours. But actually what video does, and if you utilize a a YouTube channel, have regular scheduling, um, a regular calendar of content um, that you're creating with that brand affinity in mind, you're, you're providing that video or that event via video on someone else's terms so it's not a scheduled thing in terms of I have to turn up at my desk turn on and attend this event at this time you know 11 o'clock on a Wednesday uh, for a few hours if you're putting that content on your YouTube channel or on your website 
then people get to attend that on their own terms. Um, but it's there for when they are kind of, you know, and that comes back to understanding the mindset of your customer or your, you know, your audience. Um, if people are kind of fed up of having to be at a, an online uh, event at a specific time, and that's the only time they can access that content and that event. Um, it's frustrating, and um, it's not a, it's not a good feeling for some people who are getting that kind of online event webinar kind of fatigue. But if you you can run webinars and you can run those events, but just make sure that, that content's available um, later on on a YouTube channel or, or your website, so people. I think yeah. So people are feeling like you're providing for the experience the unique experience specifically for them as well otherwise it feels it can feel quite demanding um i think okay so so we've we've spoken a lot about how i guess brands can create affinity and also how brands some brands have created an emotional connection with you and on the flip side what do you think happens if brands don't focus on brand affinity at this time um at this time or any time, oh, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think the main risk is that one of your competitors is, is going to do it. They're going to put in the time um, to create a brand affinity strategy, uh, to consider all of the things that we've spoken about uh, this morning, and that they're, they're going to go ahead and do it and get ahead of ahead because, like we said, brand affinity marketing isn't a once and done thing um, and it can take years to really um, reap the rewards of that so if people are recognizing that now um, for good or for ill for you know COVID-19 um, and have started work on that then uh, I guess you're, you're already kind of vulnerable in that way because brand affinity creates such a uh, strong almost unbreakable unconditional connection between a consumer and a brand like I said you know making them feel like they are part of your brand and um, that they're not just loyal to you but supportive to you in terms of time effort and money as well as advocacy then um, yeah you're, you're kind of going to get a bit left behind so I think the risk of is someone else doing it and also the risk of someone else doing it um, better than you so I think learning and learning about it listening to this podcast and reading you know the other kind of resources that we can share and and you know speaking to us about brand affinity marketing and and video marketing um, are all things that people should be thinking about doing now because the risk is one of your competitors will will do that um, themselves and I think that's probably the main risk I mean, I think, I think if you don't focus on brand affinity, I think, yeah, if you don't focus on brand affinity and that... Someone else Yeah, will. someone else will, basically, yeah. yeah. It, reminds, it, it reminds me of a conversation I was having a few episodes ago with uh, the, the co-founders of a company called Imagine here in the UK who focus on Gen Z marketing. Yeah. Um, so shout, shout out to Jay Richards and Kat Agostino. They were great guests. And um, they were talking about how essentially this topic, um, we didn't use brand affinity as a phrase, but they were talking about how Gen Z in particular are looking for looking for values mm -hmm. they're assessing your company values and if they don't find that you stand for something they will move on that there won't there it's the it's the equivalent of having a short attention span if someone is a, emotionally connecting with gen z more than others 
because they're showing outright their values and their commitment to their customers and making an emotional connections. They're, they're happy to jump ship. Mm. And uh, Jay, uh, Jay and Kat were talking about how, you know, perhaps that's a generational difference, but they know through their consultants working with their Gen Z consultants that that's definitely a fact. So it kind of ties in what, with what you were saying. And perhaps generationally, there's a difference. Perhaps some generations are faster to move on to others. You know, perhaps as we get older, we're more sentimental. We stick with the brands we know, regardless of their emotional connection. But, you know, we, we the world's ever evolving. Mm. There's a new generation upcoming. And it seems like brand affinity for the younger generation, uh, the generation younger than us, is more important to them than yeah. ever. Um, so I think that ties in with what you're saying. Yeah, as well. I think the um, the issues of diversity and inclusion very much tie in with that as well because I know that there's a, there's a, a stat out there and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's definitely within the next five years. I think it was something like seventy between seventy and eighty percent of the workforce are um, going to be uh, who are now like Gen Z, and they are looking at businesses to work for who um, have, uh, you know, have considered and have, you know, diversity and inclusion within the within the business. So that's kind of, you know, mm. that it's almost like, you know, that brand affinity is really important for consumers. The brand affinity is also really, really important for recruiting you know, your future staff as well. Amazing. Uh, and that's great information because, again, if taking it full circle, if you've got the right staff who are kind of emotionally intelligent and emotionally aware, they're going to become great marketers yeah. too. Uh, and you're going to have some great marketing. And um, you spoke a little bit of earlier about some resources or tools to get started, but any recommendations for our listeners about where they can learn more about brand af- affinity marketing that you've kind of really enjoyed? Yeah. Um, so I know um, Brandwatch have um, a great uh, brand affinity, um, some great, greater brand affinity content on their site. So I'll include those links for you to include in the show notes, as well as <laughs> kind of sound again, like a Wistia fan girl, but they actually have an incredibly well presented brand affinity guide on their site as well. Um, I was looking at, at that a few weeks ago go um so i'll find the link to that as well and and share that but um it's a great kind of um kind of interactive guide that you kind of work through um to kind of really understand the aspects of brand affinity and it's got some really practical tips in there and of course i'm always happy to talk to anybody about all of this stuff there's you know we've unpacked quite a lot but there's so much more to it as well and i think it's one of those marketing conversations that you know, is coming to the fore a little bit more now. And I think that it would be really great to have those conversations either with me or within your marketing teams, your business, you know, business teams and, you know, talk about these kind of ideas um, because that's how kind of marketing disciplines get more sophisticated and, you know, how we can sort of share knowledge about those, about those things. So yeah, I've got a um, I've got a list of uh, campaign examples as well of where I think brand affinity marketing has been applied really effectively. So all of those things I'll I'll send to you, Scott, and you can put them in the show notes. Um, and again, yeah, if anybody wants to talk to me about it, I am always up for a chat. Well, that's a that's a good note in closing. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this topic today and making me more aware about about number one the terminology brand affinity marketing and and just sharing some of your 
examples and connections and thoughts with with us uh, and with me in particular and um on that note can you just let people know where they can find you and where they can get to your heart as you described earlier <laughs> where they can hunt me down and make me feel things <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i am on twitter i'm at real rachel finch which is slightly uh, confusing because that's my maiden name um but yeah uh, i'm on there i'm on instagram as well um at uh, oh gosh at finch at rachel finch pearson where i've combined all of the names um and then i've got a podcast of my own called the fan made film podcast where i talk about um filmmaking with um some really amazing uh directors from around the world and we're on youtube and and spotify and all of that as well so uh yeah so i'm kind of on all of those channels um and i'm happy to hear from anybody about anything <laughs> 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 marketing and filmmaking so yeah wonderful uh all to our listeners all of our show notes are at sitevisibility.co.uk you can find us on all social platforms and everything we've linked today will be in the show notes on all podcast platforms as well uh rachel thanks so much for your time mm-hmm. uh, great to speak to you and uh, look forward to having you on again in the yeah, future thank you very much scott cheers take care bye, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 